The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Business Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericabusiness.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Welcome to a very refreshing hour of business talk. This is Changing the Game with HR, presented by SAP. The best-run businesses run SAP. You'll hear from the innovators who know how to use game-changing technologies and business strategies to shake up the HR status quo and how people are organized, engaged, and motivated to create real business impact. Now, here's your host and moderator, Bonnie D. Graham. Yes, indeed. Welcome, 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 and welcome. If you've been listening for a long time, the code is, that means we have four people on the panel today. If you want to run with the Game Changers, you are absolutely, positively in the right place. Today, we're going to be talking about HR on-premise. Should I stay or should I go? Big question. Let's get started. The buzz on the street is there's a pop quiz waiting for HR. It's ready. Now, let's take that pop quiz. The news flash is HR in the cloud is a business discussion. People may try to talk you into thinking it's a technology discussion, but it's not. It's about the business. And this goes along with what we've been talking about on this series, Changing the Game with HR for weeks and weeks and weeks. So companies with decades of dollars, hours, and mindshare invested in on-premise solutions, and that could be any of you out there listening. We know you're all over the world listening to us here on the World Talk Radio Business Channel. You're being inundated with tech-speak messages. They're whispering you, digitization, easy upgrades, never have to worry about maintenance. It's all there for you, blah, blah, blah. Well, you think it's a tech conversation? It's not. What happens? Here's what happens. If we were to ask most decision makers in HR how to complete the following sentence, it's a business impact sentence. I should care about cloud right now before because blah, 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 fill in the blank. They probably don't understand enough about the benefits of cloud to finish that sentence. So that's what we're going to be working on today. We have a panel of experts. Let me just tell you before I introduce them who they are, we're going to be joined by Sheila McGovern, a partner in the human capital management consulting practice of IBM Global Business Services. Joining her on the panel is Eric Ernst, Executive Director, America's IT Advisory, HCM, that's Human Capital Management Leader, Digital Transformation and Cloud at EY. Eric, that's a very long time. I love to see the business card. Joining us also is David Ledlow, who's been on Game Changers Radio before with me on different series. He's the Group VP of Solution Management, focusing on human capital management solutions for SAP success factors. And rounding out the panel is Todd Acevedo, if you want to look him up, A-S-E-V-E-D-O, HCM strategist for SAP success factor solution for core HR for the total workforce. That's a mouthful. So let me get started by introducing Sheila McGovern. And Sheila has sent me a quote from Malcolm Gladwell. Anybody who doesn't know Malcolm Gladwell, just put in Gladwell and you'll find him on Wikipedia. But let me tell you, he's a UK-born, Canadian-raised journalist now based right here where I am in New York City. He's a former business and science writer at the Washington Post and has been a staff writer for The New Yorker since 1996. If you don't know him, he's got a lot of books out there to keep you very busy. He's best known as the author of The Tipping Point, How Little Things Can Make a Big Difference, Blink, one of his most famous, The Power of Thinking Without 
about thinking. That's 2005. Outliers, the story of success, 2008. And David and Goliath, underdogs, misfits, and the art of battling giants in 2013. Here is the quote Sheila has selected. The tipping point is that magic moment when an idea, trend, or social behavior crosses a threshold, tips, and spreads like wildfire. Sheila McGovern, welcome to Game Changers Radio. How are you today, Sheila? Doing very well. Thank you very much. Thanks for joining me. Love the quote. Are you a big fan of Gladwell's? And how many times have you read Blink or have you? I have read pretty much all of his books. I love all of them. And if somebody out there has not heard of him, I I really strongly recommend you read his books. They're great. He he really does provide a lot of clarity around how things are. I read a review of Blink because I haven't gotten it yet, and I was going to buy it on Amazon last night. And they said it's really a, there are some naysayers, but most people adore it. There's about 2,600 reviews. Most of them are positive, and they say it's a collection of articles about that split-second thinking that for some people is more decisive and better positioning them as a decision-maker than long, drawn-out research and things like that. Do you believe in that Blink factor, Sheila? I do. I think that, um, but I think that what is going on is that you are actually be- being more aware of the data than you realize. So I think uh. if you use that sort of a, you know, quick um, idea of what you think, but then you back it up by research, that is the best way to make a decision. I like that. Now, tell me, you picked the quote today. Obviously, it's a good one. How does it relate to our topic? We're talking about HR. We're talking about should I stay or should I go, specifically on-premise versus cloud. How would you apply this Gladwell quote, Sheila, to our topic of the day, please? I would consider this to be how I would describe my experience with with the cloud and working with clients in, in transitioning to the cloud and transforming the HR function. So when cloud technologies first came out, when they were in their infancy, you know, in about 2005, you know, all the discussions about the cloud were that it was really only for small, small companies that were very, were not, were not at all complex. And it wasn't viewed as a game changer. It was viewed as something that companies did who couldn't afford to do the really good thing, which was the on-premise HR application. But as more conversations started taking place and companies became they, they had achieved some efficiencies with their on-premise, but they really wanted to do, go to the next level. There were economic pressures. The technology was evolving rapidly, and technology spending was changing from IT to the business. That's when I started to see the tipping point uh, for cloud technology. So it happened first for talent management. So for recruiting and learning and succession planning, that happened first, and it got to the point where you couldn't even find technology that wasn't cloud. Core HR took a little bit longer, and that was because it was considered more complex and there were some more data privacy concerns. But again, the growing capabilities of the technology, the ability to implement quickly, the ability to support the business in a nimble environment caused that to spread like wirefire. So I would say that the tipping point for that is is the conversation. Not everybody's in the cloud, but it used to be people were saying, there's no way we're going to do it, to we're probably not going to do it, to we're definitely doing it, it's just a matter of when. Thank you, Sheila. Very, very insightful. Yes, and uh, going back to my opening, just a quick moment with you before I introduce our next guest, Eric Ernst at EY. Sheila, do you think if uh, most of the HR and HCM professionals you know, if we gave them that pop quiz, would they in fact be able to answer that question with business information or not? I think they would understand what the cloud is, and that is something that also has become you know, a tipping point in terms of knowing what some of the leading technologies are and also understanding why companies go to the cloud. I do think, though, that they are struggling with things like um, what is the business case? 
we know we want to go, but really, is there a business case behind it? So I think most HR professionals would 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 uh, pass the pop quiz, but then maybe there would be some additional information that they would need. Thank you very much. Good point. That's why we are here. Thank you, Sheila McGovern, and welcome, and a shout-out to all of our good friends at IBM. We're happy to have you here with us. Let's turn to Eric Ernst. He's Executive Director, I said, at AY, talking about digital transformation and cloud. And Eric has picked a five-word quote from Albert Einstein, and this, I looked it up, and it's interesting. I didn't know Einstein has three rules of work. The one that Eric has selected today is out of clutter, find simplicity. Let me read the other two. From Discord, find harmony, and three, in the middle of difficulty, lies opportunity. Einstein, in case anybody has really been hiding under a rock, is a was a German-born theoretical physicist. He won the 1921 Nobel Prize in Physics for his services to theoretical physics, and he published more than 300 scientific papers and 150 non-scientific papers. And let's see, on December 5th, 2014, universities and archives announced the release of his papers, comprising more than 30,000 unique documents, Many people say Einstein is synonymous with genius. Aha. Uh-huh. So here's the quote, out of clutter, fine simplicity. Eric Ernst, welcome to Game Changers. How are you? Thank you, Bonnie. Doing well today. Thanks for joining us. So talk to me, big fan of Einstein, and, and how did you pick this one out of the three rules of work, and how does it apply to our topic, please? You know, I, I, this really just spoke to me, and, and I think that there's a lot of parallels that can be drawn here when you, when you look at something like this. And actually, I was, I was surprised that it was a quote by Einstein, actually, because I came across just the out-of-clutter, find-simplicity piece first. And it really spoke to me in, in kind of what we're doing relative to technology and technology transformation. And just like you, you opened things up at the, the top of the call here, um, Bonnie, you said, you know, you hear all these messages, right? You hear different things about speed of innovation and velocity and ease of use and mobile and what does it all mean. And I think that when organizations and certainly in the HR space are looking at, you know, significant investments in on-prem SAP technology, you know, heavy old school um, gray screens with the little blue pop boxes, you know, mm-hmm. they, they've spent millions and millions and millions and millions and years and years and years and years customizing and investing and dumping capital into this and have highly customized uh, a lot of the environments that are there. And then kind of look at that and try to figure out, you know, what do we do with this? How do we move this forward? How do we transition to the cloud? How do we make this leap? Um, This really spoke to me because literally out of clutter, find simplicity. Um, How do you do that? And I think that, you know, it's it's a question of taking and untangling and leveraging and refining and streamlining and optimizing. And that's what really excites me about the, the work that we do in this space. Thank you very much, Eric. And let me ask you the same question I asked Sheila McGovern. How many people in HCM, how many CHROs could answer that question from a business perspective? And the question, again, of course, is, where's my question here? Here it is. Um, yes, I should care about cloud right now because, and a business reason. How many would understand the business impact, Eric? Yeah, you know, I I, th- I think a lot would. You know, we've we've really been working in this space since you know 2008, right? And how cloud has really evolved. And you know, you're eight years on. I think it's I think it's to the point of of widespread acceptance. I think people uh, understand what it is. I think people understand some of the fundamental value propositions. I think the the question really becomes how and when do we do this move and how do we, and when do we do this transition and how do we move this forward? So I, I think absolutely that, that 
most HR executives could, could pass the quiz and articulate it. It's just a question of the degree of precision and accuracy, I think, that could go into it. But I, absolutely, from a conceptual standpoint, um, I think it's absolutely there. Thank you very much. I think that's good news. I didn't want them to be shocked by what we're talking about, Eric. So, yes, you can all rest now. We know you know what we're talking about. Now joining us is David Ludlow at SAP Success Factors. And David has selected a quote that is, David, it's commonly misattributed to, yes, we know, Charles Darwin, but it actually has been sourced out, fought down, it's been doggedly challenged by the quote investigator, one of my resources online, and they found out that it actually comes from a professor named Leon C. Meganson, who was at Louisiana State University, a business professor, at, and he said the following words in 1963 at the Southwestern, uh, tongue-tied, Southwestern Social Association Convention, and he may have been paraphrasing something from Darwin's Origin of the Species, but here we go. The quote is, it is not the strongest of the species that survives, nor the most intelligent. It is the one that is most adaptable to change. And we are talking about change here. David Ledlow, long time. How have you been? Yeah, it's great to be back with you, Bonnie. Thank you. Very glad to have you back, too. So I hope I didn't upset you by saying this wasn't officially a Darwin quote, but we get it all the time on the show. So what do you think? Talking about change, right? <laughs> no, I thought that was pretty interesting. And I have to admit that I had to look it up after I saw that. I thought, I think you've got the wrong person. But uh, yeah, I was the one who uh, who needed to be corrected on that. No, um, that's okay. Just, <laughs> just a little friendly sharing of tri- trivia, totally trivia. So I love the quote, let's talk about the survival and adaptable to change, because that's really what it's about. How does that res- relate to our topic today, David? Yeah, sure. So th- there is a, a tremendous amount of change going on. Now, I, I think that uh, you could probably look pat- back at past generations and probably everybody said the same thing. But I do think it's fairly unique today in just this perfect storm of technology changes coming, business models, you know, changes in business models coming, um, you know, all kind of coming together to provide all of this disruption. Um, although out of disruption um, comes opportunity. I think more specifically to the cloud and what we're talking about here and how that can, I think, help some of this onslaught of change, um, you know, because the vendor is managing the implementations, managing the infrastructure, managing the technology, um, it does become easier for organizations to consume um, and deploy uh, the innovations they have at their disposal. You know, you're not looking at five to ten year upgrade cycles um, in some of the, the uh the infrastructure and systems, um, but I've got much faster access to the, some of the stuff. Um, and organizations, HR leaders um, now can embrace it um, and push it out to employees much more effectively than they could in the past. Um, so I think that the cloud is a great way to, I think, address and meet some of these challenges um, head on um, when it comes to this fast pace of change that we see all around us. Thank you very much. Uh, very interesting, David. I'm going to ask you a question, if I may. Thinking about change, we usually say that HR has to help with change management in an organization. When you change the structure, the culture, how we work, the number of different demographic cohorts working side by side. I think there are now five of them all the way up and down the age scale. And so it sounds to me like we're talking about change man- management for HR, actually HR making that decision. Am I right? Yeah, I think you're spot on. This isn't much about technology as it is about strategy and approach. Um, What we see is that there's an increasing demand um, from employees 
to have business systems behave like the consumer systems they use mm-hmm. you know, over the weekend. So when they come into work on Monday morning, they don't take 10 steps back um, in technology eras. Um, but all of those things are modern. Um, and I think HR has a big role to play there with the systems that they deploy to the employees uh, because HR systems are fairly unique um, across enterprise systems in that they touch potentially every employee in the organization. So you've got these very high thresholds uh, from employee expectations um, with the technology and specifically in this case the HR technology that they're using every day. Thank you very much. Welcome back. Well, you were on with me, what, a couple of years ago, David, or was it closer to the present than that? I can't remember. No, I think it was three to four years ago. So it, it, okay. it's been a while. So hopefully it, the- uh, it's not that like the time next time. I agree. Uh, Game Changers now has 23 different theme series, and this one we're talking about today, which we have to do a shout-out to Dr. Patty Fletcher at SAP, who is tweeting and tweeting and tweeting. I see her, Patty. It's PK Fletcher, and we're tweeting at hashtag SAP Radio. Patty is sponsoring this one, and uh, yes, I was going to say that we have 13 series currently in production, and this is one of them. Very pleased to have an HR focus back. David, again, welcome, and let's welcome our fourth panelist. He's a newcomer. It's Todd Acevedo. He is an HCM strategist for SAP Success Factors. And Todd has sent me a quote from Aristotle. Now, let's go back, way back in time. Uh, he was a Greek philosopher and scientist born in the city of Stagira, Chalkidis, I hope I have that right, on the northern periphery of classical Greece. Uh, when his father died, Nicomachus, died when Aristotle was a child, Proxenus of Alternius became his guardian. Boy, they had long names in those. Uh, anyway, the bottom line is that he joined Plato's Academy in Athens at age 18 and stayed there till age 37. And his writings, we're talking about Aristotle, cover many subjects. He was in, indeed a Renaissance man before we had a Renaissance. Physics, biology, zoology, metaphysics, logic, ethics, aesthetics, poetry, theater, music, rhetoric, linguistics, politics, and government. That was constituting the first comprehensive system of Western philosophy. Very interesting. And then he went on to other places and other things after Plato died. So let's get to the quote. Well, we have another short one here. This is four words. Packing a punch. Aristotle said, nature abhors a vacuum. Todd Acevedo, welcome. How are you? Uh, thanks, Bonnie. Appreciate being here. We're glad to have you here. So tell me about the quote. Are you a big fan of Aristotle and or Plato, Greek philosophy? And tell me, how does this relate to our, where is the vacuum in HR in the cloud versus on-premise? Well, actually, I uh, spent a lot of time in Catholic school, so I spent a lot of time uh, understanding Aristotle, but I didn't know that was his quote, frankly, until I uh, was asked to give you my favorite quote. And this is really something, I think you actually stole the best quote uh, about this topic when you named the episode here, uh, should I say or should I go? Because that's you know one of my favorite philosophers, uh, Mick Jones from the 1982 album Combat Rock from The Clash. Right, uh, I think the next sentence of should I stay or should I go is if I stay there will be trouble, and if I go it will be double, or the other way around. If I stay it will be if I stay there will be if I go there yeah you know you can look it up because it, it really is important. Um, this whole nature pours a uh, a vacuum and the should I stay or should I go message. It, it talks about this change really. It's going to happen either way, and you can either be in the driver's seat or in the passenger seat, or you could be left out. And I think that's an important thing to see uh, this far into the cloud phenomenon. 
Very appreciative. I'm looking it up, of course. Should I stay or should I go is The Clash. And there's uh, you go to Wikipedia. It was 1982. That's going back in time. I can't take credit for that, Todd. We have to give credit and shout out to Dr. Patty Fletcher, who picked the name, the title of this episode. So there you go. I'm looking for the lyrics. I can't find them yet. But yes, I think you have them right. It was the song by the English punk rock band, The Clash, from their album, Combat Rock. It was written in 81 and featured Mick Jones. There you go. And it was uh, Inoculated City was on the B-side, if anybody cares. Thank you, Todd. Todd, I'm going to ask you the same question I asked your co-panelists. Do you think HR and CHROs are ready to answer that business impact question about the cloud? What do you think? Yeah, I, I think that they are ready to talk about it and answer the question. I think where they struggle uh, you know, in, in my you know, daily conversations with them is connecting it to the the initiatives that are from the sea level, right? So the, the you know, organization's initiatives for, you know, any given year period of planning, you know, two, three, five-year plan, it's those initiatives that they're struggling to connect with the outcomes that come from moving or transforming to the cloud. And I think that that's, that's really, um, you know, something that the, the, the body of knowledge as a whole can help the leaders in HR uh, make the connection between what the company's trying to do and what the outcomes of the cloud uh, and that transformation to the cloud can do. Thank you very much. Appreciate that. And you know what? I'm going to circle back to Sheila McGovern. Sheila, time for a little personal question here. We'd like to know where you're calling from and what are you drinking right now or what are you going to drink later after the show is over? And this is our official What's in Your Cup Today segment. So, Sheila, tell us a little bit about you, please. Um, I'm from the Philadelphia area, and actually, so what is in my cup is coffee, but I'll tell you a little story about this coffee. So I was born actually in Philly, and then we moved to New Jersey and moved back when I was nine nine years old. And I can remember I was in the back seat of of the car as my parents were driving with my brother. I was nine years old. He was 10. And every time we passed this particular convenience store, we would laugh because the name of this convenience store struck us as very, very strange. It was called Wawa. I knew you so, were going to say yeah. that. Yes, good. I so, know they're, in, they're in New Haven as well. Go ahead. Yeah, they're excellent. So my, I'm sure my parents had earplugs in by the time we got there, but we then <laughs> eventually grew up and learned that Wawa is just the uh, Native American word for Canadian goose. And then we also learned that they have great coffee. So Wawa coffee is my favorite, and that's what's in my cup. Wawa and woohoo. Do you take it straight? We used to call it high test, Sheila. You're probably too young for that. That meant bring on the caffeine and don't water it down. How are you taking it? Anything added for flavor or any sweetener? Um, Not usually. I usually drink it without anything in it. I'm with you. Straight up. That's the way we like our coffee. (laughs) Thank you very much. No comment. I won't do what we usually say about that. Eric Ernst, where are you calling from and what's your your cup today? Hey, Bonnie. I am calling from LAX today. I'm uh, in the in the middle of a commute here on a connecting flight. I'm currently drinking my fourth double espresso of the day, black, which is how I take it. I'm on my way to Cabo San Lucas, where I will be spending a long weekend, and there are many services in my future here once we get done with this call. <laughs> <laughs> I like the, the fourth of what you're drinking. And thank you. Thank you so much for joining us in the middle of your journey. We really appreciate it. That's very brave of you. Your connection is so amazingly clear. Whatever you're doing, tell them that they have fabulous whatever uh, phone service or Wi-Fi or whatever you're doing. It's just great. And now let's turn to who have we got next. We have David Ludlow. Where are you today, sir, and what are you drinking? 
I am in South San Francisco calling from the Success Factors headquarters. Um, I actually have nothing in my cup because I have no cup in front of me. Um, <laughs> we're very high tech here at the, at the SAP office. Um, <laughs> so it took me a while to actually find a room with a landline in it because <laughs> we don't have them at our desks anymore. Um, so by the time I got here, I neglected to get anything, uh, anything to drink. Um, and I have to say, I'm quite envious of Eric uh, being on the way to uh, Cabo San Lucas. Um, I myself am on the way to Montana this weekend, um, mm-hmm. but probably not quite uh, quite the party and the um, the beachy scene as Eric will get in uh, in Mexico. David, I'm not letting you off the hook. You know me; I'm very tenacious. So, what would you rather be drinking than the nothing that's not in the cup that's not in front of you right now? Give me a story. I would rather be drinking um, black coffee, actually. So just straight up, um, no cream, no sugar. Um, I like it. Uh, I like it the way it should you be. And, you and Sheila and me. Any particular brand? You got a favorite? Um, I do not. Um, I must say that in San Francisco, where I live, uh, we have access to any kind of coffee at any kind of price uh, that you may wish to pay. Um, I'm personally not into that kind of thing. So um, Starbucks, uh, the local Pete's, um, any of that's fine with me. Thank you very much. You sound like a coffee for all seasons kind of guy. I appreciate that. Absolutely. And Todd, Todd, you are you are in Spain. Where are you? What time of day or night is it? What are you drinking or what would you rather be drinking? Todd Acevedo. Uh, thanks, Bonnie. Well, I hail from Bend, Oregon, but uh, I am on a family vacation in Sevilla, Spain. Um, and in front of me on the table, uh, because uh, this is what you do in Spain, you drink sangria. And I've got a picture of sangria that uh, my family is going to come back after the show and share with me. Uh, but I would normally, this is a, a, an interesting thing because there's four of us on, on, the, on the phone here that, that love black coffee. I would normally be drinking, and I have had several shots of black coffee today. You can get them pretty much on every corner here, but you have to look hard for a Starbucks. And uh, for once today, we stopped uh, at a Starbucks because we were tired of translating the menu and uh, wanted exactly what we wanted. And we walked in that door and we felt like we were back in Seattle. So uh, uh, very excited to see the Starbucks at that time and place, but normally look for something a little bit more off the beaten path. Very nice. Nice to know. Yes, that's a good thing about branding. It's a good thing about consistency, isn't it, Todd, when you know you can get what you want where you want it if you just uh, turn on, turn down the correct street when you get there. Thank you so much, and thank you for dialing in as well. Well, I think David Ludlow is the only one in the panel who's been on with me before, but I'm checking my drink. Oh, my goodness. David, no surprise. It's a cool, clear glass with cool, clear water, and I have a slightly pink orange straw because I'm hoping the sunshine here on Long Island, New York, will last. It's been a nice day, but it's a little bit cloudy right now so and by the way Sheila and Eric and David they don't let me have caffeine on radio show days you don't well David knows that but Todd and and Eric don't and you can figure out why this is a double header we had another show this morning called innovating innovation with game changers so this is a double header day I'm restricted to water no caffeine at all but I will tank up with it later on so we're going to take a quick break oh my goodness I have a message here from Patty Fletcher on Twitter she says my cup runneth over with iced tea and my head with thoughts of business impact of cloud. Must be time for hashtag SAP radio. Patty, that's one of the best tweets I've seen in a long time. Thank you very much. She's out there cheering for us. And I think we have somebody named Clem uh, from EY, a colleague of Eric Ernst on the line listening. So, Clem, thank you very much. And if you'd like to tweet, if you have that opportunity, we'd love to hear what you say, hear them say on the show and what your thoughts are and even any questions at hashtag SAP radio. So you're listening to Changing the Game with HR Radio. 
Radio. We are live. It's Thursday, August 4th. Where has the year gone? I don't know, but it's going fast. Very important topic. HR on premise. Should I stay or should I go? Uh, heads up and shout out to The Clash from Patty. And thank you to Todd for giving us that citation. And we're going to be right back with a lot more. We have a roundtable, lots of great information from all four of our panelists. And so don't even think of touching that mouse, that app, that dial. We will be right back. Michael out. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. From setting up the right structures, enabling technology, and compliant operations, to hiring, developing, and cultivating a culture of success, SAP Success Factors is excited to be your partner in redefining what human resources can deliver to business leaders. Changing the Game with HR brings you insights from the movers and shakers who are making this happen. We'll delve into global business challenges from the boardroom to the shop floor and learn what is working and what has to change, all to help you change HR from transactional to transformational. Tune in to the Business Channel to hear today's top human resources business and technology strategy thought leaders share expert insights on how human resources leaders are shaping the future of change for all of us. It comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. You're listening to Changing the Game with HR, presented by SAP. Email your comments and questions to bonnie.d.gram at sap.com. And you're invited to tweet during and after the live show at Twitter hashtag SAPRADIO. Now, let's get back to Changing the Game with HR. Here we go. We have a very lively conversation here, and our topic of the day is HR on-premise versus cloud. Should I stay or should I go not again to the clash. Okay, so we're going to start the roundtable with Sheila McGovern at IBM. Let me read a little bit from the note Sheila sent me before the show, and then we'll get started. Sheila says, most companies transition to the cloud to empower and engage a multi-generational workforce, which we talked about, reduce costs, increase their nimbleness, and gain valuable insight into their workforce. Let's talk about what millennials and others are demanding. Sheila, why don't you take this and run with it for a couple minutes, and then we'll invite the others to join in. Go ahead. Sure. So uh, the first one is to engage and empower their multi-generational workforce. And this goes back to what David was saying, where he said that employees are expecting the technology at work to resemble the tools they use at home. So it used to be in the days of um, putting in an on-premise type software, we would talk about having the users use employee self-service and managers use manager self-service, but it was more about reducing HR costs. Now it is really because it is coming from the employees. They want to be able to access information and training and get, and get um, clarity around what they're supposed to do at any time, any place. So the demands of, of, the, of the employee are growing. Also, companies need to, to, to reduce their support costs. You know, most of the on-premise systems are, um, what we see is a, a big trigger is when companies are contemplating, they're reaching the end of their shelf life, and they are contemplating doing some sort of an upgrade. So they realize they'd rather reduce their costs and do the cloud. And then the next one I would say, it's related to what Todd was saying about, you know, the HR professionals are going to um, answer the question correctly about moving to the cloud, 
but they have a little bit of trouble tying it back to the strategic initiatives. So one of the things that companies use as one of their, you know, reasons to move to the cloud is that it, um, it allows, the technology allows them to um, support their system in, in changing market conditions. So if, and gives them more insight into their workforce. So if the company, and this is at the C-suite, have a strategy of going into a new geography or going into a new business line or completely changing the business model, having a cloud technology allows the company to be able to support that better. You have more information about your workforce. You can make better decisions. You see where the gaps are, what you have to do to enable this new business line or new geography. So that is the, that's the primary reasons that I see companies going to the cloud. Thank you, Sheila. Let's see what Eric Ernst has to say. Eric, are these your top reasons, top uh, justifications, if you will, as well? Do you agree or disagree? Yeah, I, I think I absolutely share some of the same perspectives as Sheila. You know, I think that the, the flexibility of kind of some of the new cloud tools really does allow you from a technology perspective, you know, to engage with the expectations of your workforce you know, based on where they're at and you're, you're meeting them, right? So you've got, for the folks that would prefer a more traditional, you know, PC-based browser experience, you've got that. For people that are more mobile, out in the field, et cetera, perhaps younger generational um, folks, you've got mobile and tablet. Um, these different multi-channel access um, are absolutely uh, enabled by the tools and technologies that are out there today and allow you to kind of meet and interact with and transact um, and engage, which I think is probably the biggest piece, with, uh, with your employees and your workforce in a way that's most meaningful to them. So I think that that is one of the absolute largest benefits of the cloud technologies and platforms that, uh, that are out there and exist in the market today. David Ludlow, love your point of view, your POV, your two cents, or whatever you got in your wallet. What do you think? I'll give you three cents. How's that? Um, yeah, I, I do tend to agree. However, I, I think we should be careful in that the technology itself is not what drives employee engagement. It, the technology and the cloud delivery, it, it can accommodate the level of change and changed expectations um, that we see across uh, the, the workforce and each individual employee. Um, in the old days of on-premise systems, you know, we could develop good software, we could develop good looking software, but by the time it actually got into the hands of the employees, it could be two years, five years, 10 years, or, or even never, because it always required large upgrade projects um, in the organization's IT department. With the cloud, we, you know, on the success factor side at least, we deliver changes every three months. So the customer gets the best of everything we have to offer very quickly, and they can in turn roll that out to the employees um, to meet some of those changing expectations. I mean, think of the experience you get on a mobile device. You see updates to all those apps that you get all the time because they're always improving them, they're always taking input, they're always improving the user experience. Um, and that's the kind of expectations that employees have today. I want it instantaneous. I don't want a new capability that, you know, based on a user interface that was designed uh, two or five years ago. So, uh, you know, once again, I think it's about speed and, and the, the ability um, to accommodate the changes based on that speed. Thank you very much. And let's see, that was Eric, yes? I'm trying to keep track of my, my kidlets here. Yep. Uh, that, that was David. David. <laughs> that was David. I'm, I'm looking through 10 pages of notes here. Todd Acevedo, you're up. What do you think? Agree or disagree with what Sheila started for us? Well, yeah, so I wanted to expand on what Sheila said because one of the, mm -hmm. you know, kind of the precepts here is that you have to be a millennial to appreciate the change. 
And, you know, what we're finding uh, as we go from company to company and having these conversations, I mean, for Cranatlata, I take my 82-year-old grandmother out to dinner every once in a while, not enough, according to her, but I can't stop her from tweeting our conversation at lunch or at, the, at dinner. And, <laughs> and she's telling me, you know, she wants her bridge gals to know, uh, you know, what we're talking about. So it's not about millennials. I think it's about every segment of employee. Um, yeah, I have particular experience with a, a, a meat packaging plant in the middle of America that, uh, that uses cloud technology. They've gone through this transformation and despite all of the, the you know, kind of the, the, the hemming and hawing by the executive team in approving the transformation, uh, they've seen 95 plus percent of their entire um, workforce have to make transactions on the cloud. So, you know, I, I think it's, you know, we focus a lot on millennials. Millennials are what now, 35 years old? Mm-hmm. Um, and I think I've heard David say it before. Uh, you know, there's a lot of, uh, you know, we've had 20-year-olds, we've been employing 20-year-olds and making software for 20-year-olds for many generations. This is, you know, the millennials are the, you know, kind of pushing the back of the bus, but, uh, but everybody's adopting and, uh, and wants to be part of, you know, of this consumerization. Thank you very much. Uh, Sheila, let me circle back to you for just a brief comment on what your co-panelists said. I think they were all very, very good points. I would say... Um, the tie-in with the millennials is the millennials were the ones that started using technology for everything, and then they got the other generations to use technology for everything, resulting in everybody wanting to have technology at work. So they did start it, but they, uh, they, it spread, I guess, like wildfire back to the tipping point, and now everybody <laughs> wants technology everywhere they go. Thank you very much. I'm going to move on, and I'm looking at from some notes, a lot of good information here from Eric Ernst. But, Eric, I want to pick up on a point. We've been talking about all of the demographic cohorts in the workforce. We just talked about the M-word, millennials. I want to bring this into a broader brush look, and you're helping me do that with the following comment. You say, when looking to move to the cloud from the perspective of a financial services organization or retail perspective, there are a lot of different factors in your workforce. So let's broaden the discussion from the actual age demographics to part-time and seasonal workers who are going to be in there for a short time. They may or may not come back. Uh, it could be, I imagine, consultants, contractors who are not going to be full-time. Offices are dispersed all over the place. Workforces are global, temporary or not. So once you take us through this, how does the cloud help a company and help HR in particular navigate all of the, the records you need to keep and especially payroll? Eric? Yeah. No, thanks, Bunny. Yeah, I think mm-hmm. you know one of the one of the things that's kind of unique and different here is is HR as a function, you know, and how things are executed. I hire a transfer a term, etc. You know, don't really necessarily vary all that much across uh, vertical industries or sectors. I think that that where you do see, however, significant differences in in um, sectors and industry verticals are composition of workforces, mm-hmm. nuances of those workforces the ability for technology to enable the business to support the workforce in the right sort of way, um, distributed kind of recruiting, um, you know, and looking at something like, um, like a, a retail, um, a retail um, institution, for instance, they may hire thousands of seasonal workers around the holidays, right? Um, looking at agriculture, for instance, you might hire thousands of seasonal workers for a month period of time during, during harvest, for instance. Um, you know, there's a lot of very unique uh, um, variations in, in demand and the flexibility 
and the speed at which um, some of these tools can be deployed to help uh, enable that, I think, is uh, is a significant differentiator. Um, I think the the ability, again, from a, a mobile recruiting standpoint, uh, allowing you to to work with and recruit and uh, deal with um, um, college hires is also pretty significant. And it um, you know these tools really do kind of enable more mobile and flexibility and scalability in ways that on-premise couldn't. And, you know, that's, I think, something that is, is pretty unique and pretty different uh, relative to, to the ability of these tools to support um, business needs. Sounds like a blessing. It sounds like a godsend. It sounds like something they've probably been looking for to make life easier a long time ago. Thank you very much, David Ludlow. Love to get your two cents worth or three cents you gave me last time. I'll hold you to that. Uh, David, any other workforce perspectives you want to bring to that discussion? We'll just quickly go around the table on this one. David? No, I think in this case, Eric has some some really good points. Um, uh, you know, once again, I'll just reiterate that um, a, a lot of this is just about access to these things that change all the time. Um, so, if there's new trends, if there's new ideas and concepts, um, many times I have much faster access uh, to some of those things from a wide variety of vendors who are coming into the market uh, based on these cloud platforms that we can easily consume and deliver to the workforce. So, that's, I think the sky's the limit these days. I like that. Todd, love to have you chime in. What are your thoughts? Well, again, the only thing I'd add um, to what the other panelists said, and I agree with everything I heard, uh, are, you know, what's the definition of workforce now? I think that that is, I mean, it seems like every day there's a, a new term for the relationship between uh, the, an employer and somebody who delivers value to the employer. And, and each of those categories uh, are requiring different types of access to data, uh, either uh, policy data from the company or their own data to, to manage. And, you know, if you look back even 10 or 15 years ago, we didn't have any other categories. There was, uh, in, you know, an independent contractor type category and, and then an employee type category. And, and now, you know, we're even, ha- you know, I see applications out there for alumni, for, uh, you know, all different types of contingent, uh, from, you know, for board members, volunteers, and, and you name it, people um, are delivering value to an organization from all different, you know, kind of walks of life or places in, in their own lives. And the mobility of the worker is changing kind of their thirst or, uh, you know, their hunger for connection to the company. And then also the company's, you know, what's in the company's best interest to deliver that data to, uh, you know, to the affected individual. Thank you. That was very interesting. Very interesting comment. I appreciate that. And let's circle around to we got next. Sheila. Sheila, what are your thoughts on that? I would say that there's pretty much, I don't have that much to add, but I would say that, you know, as this, the workforce is much more and more mobile, you know, in terms of you do have a lot of temporary workers and that kind of thing, but there's always been the sales force and there's been the manufacturing um, personnel where a lot of times the, what, the, what the solution would be would be to put up a kiosk you know, in a um, particular location. And what companies found was that was very expensive and it was also a little bit awkward. So this, the mobile applications that are, that are readily available with cloud technology really does open up the doors to all of the employees. Thank you very much. I'm going to let Eric wrap this one up. Eric, anything you want to say before I move on to some notes from David Ludlow? Um, just one, one comment kind of building on something that, that Todd said. I, I think that the, the definition, right, of the worker is, is significant here. And he brought up a good point, right, because it's a contract worker, a contingent worker, a temporary worker, a consultant, 
you know, someone who's in, you know, for, for literally perhaps just a day. And I think the, the ability and flexibility to accommodate and work with and engage with and support these different demographics and populations is, is a significant change in what we're seeing um, in the workforce and in kind of the, the business environment and seeing that the technology and the ability to flex and adapt and manage um, is really something that's, that's exciting. So, Todd, thanks for that because I totally forgot um, that in my, uh, my intro piece. Cheers. And I, I think that we forgot to say the word exciting. This sounds like very, hmm, and I like that word exciting. We talked about change management, but this can be exciting, and it sounds like a lot of good things are coming down the pike for HR in terms of how they run their part of the business. Let's look at David Ludlow. David, I, let's take a look back over our shoulder, David. I'm looking at the second point you sent me, and if you don't mind just spending a moment on this, let's look at another good reason to move to cloud is because, and let me finish that sentence, David says, on-premise systems did what was expected of them very well. They handled all of the complexity of HR process as well. But when they didn't, the system could get customized. And at the end, and David, when I was a programmer analyst back in the late 70s, excuse me, we called that spaghetti code. I don't know if they still call it that or what shape pasta they're using today. It could be fusilli code. At the end, customers had extremely complex systems that couldn't be changed easily. So they built the complexity in by wanting it to be customized. So now things are different. Tech changes quickly, added Attitudes change quickly. The old model doesn't work. How important is this for recognition among the HR and CHRO community, David Ledlow, in terms of should I stay or should I go? You want to apply that to our topic for me? Yeah, I, I think this is huge, and it's a huge consideration um, uh, companies need to make um, when they plot out their journeys uh, into the cloud. Um, you know, as you mentioned that I said to you earlier, um, with the on-premise systems, uh, it came with a complete development environment. Uh, so if the system didn't uh, work exactly like the customer wanted it to, um, the result was very large projects uh, to customize the solutions, to build onto the solutions, to change those solutions, uh, to do exactly, uh, to, to build the process exactly um, as the organization wanted or felt that they needed. Um, with the cloud, um, you don't have access to those development environments like you had on on-premise. So what it ends up doing is enforcing some level of simplification, some level of standardization, which in the end is actually quite good um, because it provides them the agility that organizations need to respond um, to new demands by the CEO, the CFO, whoever it might be. Um, so so the, that agility uh, sorry, the, the simplicity um, does drive uh, that agility. But one of the things then that organizations need to think of and consider when they move to the cloud is it is not a lift and shift. You just can't take all of those existing processes and move in, into the cloud. It's going to take some rethinking. It's going to take some reengineering. It's going to take some culture change um, in the organization to do it effectively. But And that could be painful, but once they get there, the overall benefits of that simplistic, streamlined set of processes and approach to HR, there's all kinds of new value that that can drive because those processes are simpler and HR can then focus on new things that, that really add strategic value to the organization. What a thought. Thank you very much. <laughs> Gee, contributing to strategic value. And I know that's one of the main themes why Patty Fletcher and I worked on this series. And she came to me and said, we have to talk about the business reasons for HR and what they can add value. So, Todd Acevedo, we'd love to have you comment on what David Ludlow just introduced just briefly. And we're going to try to save time here to come up uh, and talk about one of Todd's 
matter subjects that you sent me. So, Todd, just a quick comment on David, then Sheila, then Eric, and then I'm going to pick out one of Todd's statements here. So, go ahead, Todd. Yeah, I would just I would add to uh, what David said that y- y- there's a sh- been a shift from you know kind of this idea of spaghetti code to best practice, and I don't believe there is such a thing with the different types of companies. I think we have leading and lagging practices, but I, I think we lose sight of the reason why we want to get simple. Uh, and I, I think companies need to be to, to have some flexibility in the in the uh, applications that they use to facilitate their processes and those applications need to be extendable in some way as long as it doesn't restrict innovation. And that's what we saw in the on-premise environment when you customize. So, so the idea of you know, going full circle from or 180 from uh, customization, everything's customized, nobody knows, remembers why, to everybody uses the same product out of the box, I think is a bit of an over-exaggeration. But so if we could just temper it back a little bit, we'd find a lot more, I think, successful implementations um, you know, if the if the cloud environment has extensibility built in, the ability to to make subtle changes that are outside of the upgrade path. Thank you. That's an interesting perspective, Sheila McGovern. Talk, talk to us. Sure, real real quickly. So I I have seen companies struggle with um, even though the cloud is intended to be to to simplify and standardize. Sometimes companies do struggle with that. And it's, uh, they are always looking for workarounds. Like, they're fine with, with simplifying and standardizing until they don't get something that they want. So my advice would be that uh, before you embark on a particular um, transition such as this is have a very clear business case in terms of understanding the rationale about how you're going to achieve what your target state is and how you're going to achieve those savings or increased productivity. And then secondly, get buy-in from HR, IT, and the business the business can derail a particular implementation or transformation if you don't get their buy-in because what will happen is they'll have employees and managers potentially you know, not wanting to accept the new system. So that would be my advice to a company. Just because the, the technology does not allow customization um, doesn't mean you can't, if, you, if you're not all aligned on simplifying and standardizing, you won't get caught in a lot of discussions about workarounds. Thank you very much, Sheila. Eric Ernst, I can give you about 30 seconds to respond because I really want to come up with one more topic just for Todd before we go to our predictions, and our predictions start in about two minutes. So go ahead, Eric. Any thoughts, please? Yeah, yeah, I'll be quick, Bonnie. Yeah, I, I absolutely agree with, with what David was saying, you know, around the significant, you know, development environments and the ability to build essentially, you know, whatever you want. Just because you could doesn't mean that you necessarily should have. And that's, that's where a lot of kind of programs and projects get, get a little bit sideways. You know, with the cloud HCM tools now, you know, it's, it's configuration, yet within that configuration there is still, you know, the four walls, floor and ceiling that you have in which to operate. So it is, it is constrained. I think it's more refined. And I think it's, uh, it's certainly um, a more elegant solution because of that. Thank you very much. Todd, I've been saving this one. We barely have enough time for it, but I'd like you to just spend 60 seconds on this. You say increasing the use of social data in line with HR processes initiated by management can help with pay equity and other common issues that are driving a wedge in the relationship between the employee and the company. Why don't you give me your 60-second overview on this, and then we have to go to predictions. Todd? Yeah, well, maybe I'll save some time uh, because there really are some some thought leaders around this specific subject that uh, there's some data around there about, and hopefully we can get some, some tweets out there that, that have some connection to some of this thought-leading data. But the idea here is, you know, the business 
uh, beyond bias. There's a subtle subconscious bias uh, that that social information, um, you know, that in line with some of the decision making you can make in a process. Uh, can alleviate, right? So if, if I'm made aware that the decision I'm about to make uh, puts a certain group uh, out of balance with another group, uh, I'm less likely to, to make that decision because I become aware of the inequity. So uh, again, I'm going to stop there, but uh, there's some great uh, thought-leading information that, uh, in the marketplace and some techno- enabling technology coming that, uh, that, that should change that situation quite a bit. Thank you very much. I have a feeling we almost went into predictions there. Sheila McGovern, I can give you about, oh, I don't even have a minute apiece. Let's give you 45 seconds. I'm not going to count them. Just stay close. Sheila McGovern, take a look in the crystal ball at IBM. What do you see coming down the pike for HR, on-prem versus cloud? Who should stay? Who should go? Sheila, what do you see, let's say, in 2020? Okay. So what I would say is I see as the next tipping point the um, incorporation of cognitive technology in the cloud technology. So it's, uh, we've got tons of information out there, structured and unstructured, so the ability to process and analyze vast amounts of information, help, help employees and managers make decisions, interact with the employee in a natural language. I think that's the next tipping point. Thank you. Very well done. Going back to your quote, appreciate that. Eric Ernst at EY, 45 seconds predictions. Go ahead, Eric. Yeah, I mean, I think th- this is what's really exciting, right? We, we sit here today in 2016. You think about what's going to come, you know, in the next four years. I, actually, I have no idea what it's going to look like in the next four years, and I think that's what's most exciting about this right now is the pace of innovation and change, robotics, automation, predictive analytics, predictive um, um, predictive workforce planning um, analysis. It's amazing stuff. And I wish I actually did have a crystal ball because I would make some, some certain stock trades and investments based on that. But, um, you know, okay. I, I honestly don't know what's coming next. And I think that's what's most exciting about being in this space and working in this environment right now. Very well put. I appreciate that. Don't Not knowing is exciting. And indeed, it's true. Uh, David Ludlow, quick predictions. What do you see? Yeah, sure. So um, I would have said artificial intelligence and the incorporation of uh, those capabilities in HR software, but uh, Eric just said that. So um, l- let, me, let me do the second one I was thinking of, and uh, for me, that's mobile. Um, I do think that the delivery of uh, processes uh, through the cloud, I think this is going to open up huge new opportunities uh, to enable everybody through mobile. Uh, right now, we see very limited uptake in mobile across HR, um, and I think the next couple of years are mobile's time, and we'll see more and more active usage of uh, HR processing uh, via mobile apps. Thank you very much. And I saved, oh, I saved about 45 seconds for Mr. Todd Acevedo in Spain. Todd, what do you see? Well, I, I, I just wanted to build on um, what David said, because I think the, the outcome of a greater mobile, which I totally see uh, in the future, I, I think that outcome is going to be the most interesting thing there is, because I think really HR operations as a whole will go away. And, and that sounds like a very provocative statement, but uh, what I mean is as the consumerization of those tri- transactions and processes uh, continues to evolve and employees continue to, to do those transactions with their mobile devices, less and less of that busy work or tactical work will be attributed to HR. And HR can really go out and brand itself as that strategic driver, uh, you know, that it always desires to be. But um, no more will I associate changing an address with something that the HR department does. It's going to be finding me talent, retaining my talent, 
aligning my talent and not uh, processing HR operations transactions. The other quick process I wanted to think about or ten seconds, ten seconds. Where in the world did Eric find a quiet place at LAX? <laughs> Beautifully done, Todd. Thank you. I thought I was the green room comedian. Oh, we're on air. I want to do a shout out to our four extraordinary panelists, Sheila McGovern, Eric Ernst, David Ledlow, Todd Acevedo. And of course, a shout out to Patty Fletcher, who's been tweeting her fingers off, her tootsies off here on hashtag SAP radio. Thank you, Patty, for putting together such a dynamic topic and a wonderful panel. Great thought leadership here. That's the end of my broadcast week here on World Talk Radio. We did five live shows this week and we'll be back with more next week week. So here's my shout out and thank you to Michael and the Business Channel team for getting us on the air and keeping us on the clock. Here's my now call to action. Fasten your seatbelt. What are you waiting for? For goodness sake, go out and be a game changer today. Have a great one. Bonnie D. Graham signing off. Bye-bye. Thanks again for tuning in to Changing the Game with HR, presented by SAP. The best-run businesses run SAP. To keep the conversation going, tweet your questions and comments to Twitter hashtag SAPRADIO. Please join host Bonnie D. Graham again Thursdays at 11 a.m. Pacific, 2 p.m. Eastern Time on the Business Channel. We wish you a positively game-changing week.